All right, so David is giving us our sermon, but before before that, we have a special treat for y'all today. So, um, February is Black History Month, and uh, people all over the especially all over the nation, are celebrating and honoring the legacy and the heritage of African Americans. Um, So this Sunday, we decided to invite Resound, who's super famous. They're actually, if I got to tell you they're famous, but they really are really famous. Um, They've been on The Tonight Show. Y'all been on The Tonight Show? Good morning, America. David Letterman. David Letterman. Good morning, America other places with famous people. They they were on tour with Lauren Daigle this summer. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then they were like, you're like, yeah. Um, and they're actually really sweet and wonderful people and they love God and they sing down. So they're just going to uh, give us a couple selections. Come on up. Greet them with a hearty. Amen. Oh, this is a fun fact. Um, Resound was actually, I was there for like the forming of Resound. I remember when I was an intern, the very first day, Jessica showed a video to our, to David at the time. And she was like, oh, look, me and my friends recorded a video. And she said it so casually. And I was like, this is going to be weird, maybe. But it wasn't. It was the most exceptional singing I had ever heard in my entire life. And from them posting that video, like, God has opened door after door after door after door after door. And they've just been uh, wonderful vessels of God. Anointed. Beautiful. Okay, amen. Yeah, you said too much. Um... (laughs) (laughs) um hello everyone (laughs) good afternoon um my name is joseph but everyone calls me either jojo or joe hey my name is mariah nothing special there everybody calls me mariah y'all may know but my name is jessica (laughs) boo wow I think it's on. Okay. We are Resound, and we're just so grateful to be here um, to just celebrate with you Easton Fellowship and also Black History Month. So we're so excited um, to just give some arrangements. Um, if you don't know us or never heard of us, we mostly do acapella music. Um, lately, we've been putting some music and some tracks and stuff in there. Um, but we're just so just honored to be here just to give God glory and to worship with you guys. So, yeah. So if you don't know me, my name is Jessica, and I actually worship here at Easton Fellowship. Um, So if you don't see me, like, up here or here, most of the time I'm with these guys. And so I'm really excited that you all get to meet them and get to kind of hear a piece of what we do. And so um, the first song that we're going to do is a medley of songs for Black History Month. Um, We did this two years ago. A year ago, two years ago, on um, during Black History Month. And these are songs that, like, my grandma sang back in the day before I was born. And maybe people sang, people sung, people did before, <laughs> before that. Um, but songs of such rich history and songs that have been known to help my people get over and that we want to continue to sing today to help us all get over. And so um, this is our Black History Medley. Yeah. Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me, Walk with me, Walk with me, Walk with me. While I mourn this Christian journey, I want Jesus. Lay down my burdens, lay down my burdens, lay down my burdens. I'm gonna lay down my burdens down by the riverside. 
down by the riverside, down by the riverside, lay down my burdens, down by the riverside, study war no Lay down my burdens, lay down my burdens, lay down my burdens, lay, 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 lay. Lay down my oh hold to his hand God's unchanging hand oh hold to his hand God's unchanging hand build your hopes on things eternal hold to God's unchanging hand oh you better hold hold to God's unchanging hand hold to God's unchanging hand hold to God's unchanging hand said before my name is Mariah um I'm the pretty one out of the group um listen no um um a year ago (laughs) um almost well last June slash July um we decided to take a leap of faith I think maybe in January of last year Jojo was like I'm sick of this job I'm ready to we got to do this you know full time and I was like nobody knows where I was working at (laughs) But okay, but. You know, it, it just don't don't remember I said that. Um, and so um, me and Jessica had discussed it. Jessica had been pushing full time for such a long time anyway, and so we had decided, we had prayed about it, and we had felt like it was time. So we were like, God, we don't know how we're going to do this, but we know that um, your promise stands regardless. And so um, we decided to take a leap of faith. Last June slash July, Jessica left last. And we um, didn't have anything but one thing on the calendar. And so we get June 10th still, nothing else. June 15th still, 
nothing else. And then June 26 came, and Lauren Daigle was in the middle of her auditions for her background singers, and she sent us literally a video on Instagram and was like, hey, want to come on tour? And we were like, what? You serious? And she was like, yeah, um, uh, rehearsal starts in two weeks. We're like, okay. So we went from having one date on the calendar to having all of our summer booked and six months of our salary paid because of that one opportunity. So we are firm believers that, you know, God just specializes in, in just working on our behalf when it seems like all the odds are stacked against you. And so we believe, we sing this song, we sing this prayer because we believe it, that God will um, lead us with his grace. No, lead us to a place, guide us with his grace to a place where we will be safe. We sing this with such conviction and we pray that you feel it.
that's truly a tough act to follow. So I just want to say lower your expectations. Um, we're going to spend a little time before the Lord in the Word. Uh, let us pray. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would uh, just thank you so much for the lifting up of just testimony of how you've been faithful uh, um, in the past through uh, what you've done uh, through uh, speaking to black people over the years through much oppression. And then for even Rizal to share how in their story, when you had them to step out on faith, you provided. Thank you for their gifts of sharing that with us. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us uh, even this moment as we spend some time in the Word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I get some more volume on my microphone? For all those who are um, willing and uh, um, able, would you rise in body and spirit as we read God's word? Today our text will be from Mark uh, 35, 4, 35-41. It says, That day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took uh, him along, and just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke up, and woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Today, I'll be preaching on the text, Messages, Moments, and Movements. Would you just turn to your neighbor and say, Messages, Moments, and Movements, as you sit down. <laughs> so, if you've been here East End for any uh, period of time over the last uh, few weeks, we have been in a series called Loaded Questions. And, and Loaded Questions uh, um, that... Jesus really asked a lot of questions. He, Jesus received a lot of questions, but then he oftentimes gave answers to questions by questions. And part of the reason why we are spending time in questions is because what these questions do is it lets us know a little bit about who Jesus is, and that reveals that, but it also reveals to us a little bit about who we are. And so last week, you know, um, Doug, despite the fact that I had earbuds in my ears, I did listen to the sermon the whole time, and Doug preached a really great sermon. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, you should have been at church last week. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, here we have a loaded question that is in the middle of a peculiar context. Um, so just to understand that they're on a boat, And Jesus is asking the question, uh, they're on a boat in the middle of a storm where water is coming in the boat and Jesus is asleep and he asks the the question, why are you so afraid? And then, do you still have no faith? Now, I'm pretty sure the disciples were like, Jesus, you need to get some context clues. Um, there's a storm. We're about to die out here in these streets, as they would say. But I guess out here in these waters, we're on this rickety boat. And you're asking me this question, uh, uh, why are you so afraid? But, you know, this loaded question uh, is a really peculiar question because he, he, he ties fear along with faith. He ties fear along with faith. And so... As we look at this, it made me ask the question when I read the text the first time, like, why did God believe, why did Jesus believe that there should not be uh, fear, but there should be uh, faith in in between a substitution of fear should be faith? And so when you go back to verse 1 of chapter 4, you realize that um, Jesus and his disciples were actually on 
the shore of a lake. The story that we picked up in the text, they're in the middle of the lake. And so I'm figuring out that maybe the fact that they're in the middle of the lake, at the shore of the lake, there probably is some reason and there's something that we should pick up in this text. And in this text, we see that Jesus decides to teach the multitude in a parable uh, uh, format. And he um, is on this lake. There's a whole bunch of people. And he's teaching both the disciples and he's teaching the multitude, people who don't necessarily know who Jesus is, was trying to kind of check him out a little bit. And he begins to teach in a parable. And he teaches a really interesting parable. That's a t- parable about a farmer sowing crops, sowing seeds so they can grow into a crop. And here's kind of a little gist of the story. There's a farmer who generously sows uh, seeds, and, 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 and the whole point of sowing the seeds is so these seeds can grow into be some type of crop. But the, the, the farmers is generally sowing it everywhere. In three out of the four places where he sows, it doesn't take up ground. The first place is a place where he throws the seeds and it goes somewhere where birds can come and eat them, the seeds. The second place is a place where the soil isn't deep enough for the seeds to get roots. And then the third is a thorny place where even if they get roots, uh, um, when it gets out of the ground and starts to, to start to grow, the thorns actually come and choke the life out of it. In three out of the four places, these seeds can't grow to be fruitful crops. Everybody with me so far? So this is the story where you got a generous farmer who is sowing seeds, and there's only one place where the seeds grow, and that's on good soil. It's important to understand, in order to understand what this text is about, is that God is the sower. God is the farmer that is sowing seeds, and so God is the one that is generously sowing these seeds. Now, after he tells the story, Jesus says, he that has ears, let them hear. He that had ears, let them hear. So there's an assumption that everybody's not going to get what's being said. So Jesus is given a message, and, 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 and he knows that everybody's not going to be able to catch what Jesus is laying down. And so as Jesus is laying stuff down, uh, um, there's only a few people that actually get what this is about. It's his disciples. His disciples are the only ones that understand what this parable is about. And it's a really important linchpin that Mark kind of lays down. He says, he that has ears, let them hear. And that's in verse 9, but then in verse 10, he says that they, when Jesus is alone, they ask Jesus, what is this all about? Brothers and sisters, it's important for us to realize that only true disciples of Jesus get a chance to understand what Jesus' message is about. See, true disciples of Jesus are the ones that feel like their responsibility is to cultivate the soils of their heart so they can understand what Jesus is talking about. See, I, 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 early on in ministry, I had this guy who was a disciple, uh, disciple and, he, and he was a mentor of mine in ministry. And he said, David, uh, um, in ministry, what you need to do is there are going to be three types of people. They're going to be visitors, attenders, and disciples. Visitors, attenders, and disciples. He said, never build your ministry on visitors and attenders. Only build it on disciples. Because, you see, the thing is, visitors, they kind of are checking out to see what it is that you like and and, and do they like you or not and what what are you about. And attenders might come on a regular basis to be able to receive what it is. And so as long as you're, like, feeding them, as long as you're, like, turning fish into loaves, and as long as you're kind of telling them all the kind of things that you want, they want to know, then they're going to be with you. But the moment you kind of challenge them to something, they're going to, like, be peace out. But the disciples are the ones that are going to come, and even when you say something hard and there's something they don't understand, they're going to seek you out to see, okay, what are you talking about, and and, and kind of how can we live into this a little lot more further. Never build your ministry off of visitors and attenders but only build off of disciples. And so when you look at this particular text and what's happening in this multitude, 
Jesus is sowing out these seeds of the kingdom, and the, the seeds really is the word of God, the word that is the, 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 the word that, that expressed the kingdom of God so the kingdom of God can begin to take root in people's hearts and people's lives. And everybody is not going to understand what it's, going, what it's about, but everybody has an opportunity to be a disciple. You see, it's not on God. God is not being inequitable, the fact that everybody doesn't get it. Equity comes because God is giving access to everybody. And the key is, the, it, Jesus said this in our, uh, um, verse 11, that the secrets of the kingdom of God are basically for his disciples. See, if you want to be a person that receives the secrets of the kingdom of God, you have to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, you might want to ask a question, well, you know, how do I know if I'm a disciple of Jesus? How do I know if I'm kind of exercising and growing in faith? Well, we know that faith comes by hearing the word of God, and so there's an important aspect of hearing, but there is a key element what Jesus is trying to unpack that you've got to have some understanding. It's not enough just to kind of hear it, because all the multitudes, like visitors and attenders hear it, but... The disciples are the ones that do the work to understand. And so there are some people that hear a message from God, and then they allow Satan to take it. See, those birds that come and eat the seeds are like the enemy coming in and, and, and eating and, and taking those seeds that, that, that the God is trying to sow. And I think some of that looks like in our lives when, when you know, there are some things that we know we shouldn't be doing, and we willfully sin and do those things anyway, and so the enemy comes and steals the seed of the word of God that's there. I don't know if I'm the only person that struggles with that, but if you are a person, let's just all say amen. amen. So then there's another kind of group of folks that it's uh, those who don't allow the word of God to take any, like, deep roots in it. You know, it's you can hear the word of God in a public space, but you got to hear the God and, and unpack things in the intimate spaces with Jesus. And that's how you begin to cultivate these things. There are some people that love to come to large gathering, but then you don't crack open your Bible um, for the rest of the week. And so if you're a person that loves to, to, to be at the large gathering and make sure that you come on Sunday, but you don't necessarily like spend any time in the Word or you don't spend any time in a prayer life, or you might listen to a podcast, but you don't necessarily try to get fresh revelation for yourself, you might not be that rooted. And see, this is how you know if you're not that rooted or not. When the trials come, when the burdens happen, when things begin to get a little unwieldy in your life, you kind of go back on the old way of life. But if you go on the message of what Jesus is doing, this helps you to dig a little bit deeper to ground yourself rooted in Jesus. Now, there's some of us who don't willfully do like craziness on sin. You know, we ain't at the strip clubs anymore. You know, we're not like... Um, you know, doing certain uh, kind of things you know we shouldn't be doing. We might spend some time praying and in the Word or really trying to cultivate a Christian life, but I'm going to tell you, this is where I struggle. It's the worries of the world. It's the deception of wealth, and it is the cultivation of wrong desires. See, 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 a lot of times what happens is that I know in my own life when I begin to see there's a struggle, I'm like, why isn't the kingdom abundant life happening in my life, the thing that the Spirit constantly tells me is that a lot of times I'm, like, worried about the day-to-day, -day, about all the things. I'm doing more for God than, than I'm doing being with God. Um, there are some times where, you know, I'm worried about, like, kind of how bills are going to be paid or how health is going to, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, and these are, like, really important things that need to be managed, but sometimes they get their place over in a, a, a wrong place, and when God should be in this position and my situation should be in that position, but a lot of times I put my situation in this position and then God in that position. Now, I don't know if I'm the only person, but I don't think I am. I think this is something that we do and we feel like, okay, well, God, you know, if I had more money or if I had, you know, more friends or more access or whatever the case may be, I wouldn't be in the situation. But wealth and spiritual maturity don't have anything to do with one another. Matter of fact, 
Jesus even says the more wealth you have, the harder it is for you to even be more spiritually mature. And so this is something that, that, that it's a deception that Jesus is, is letting us know that these are the thorns that, that, that choke us from what it is that God truly wants us to have. And the thing that's last is he talks about this whole thing of desire. Because desire is actually a very tricky thing because desire is the thing that God uses to draw us closer to. Like God uses desire. Like every single desire that we have isn't bad. Desire is actually a very good thing, and it's a way that God calls us to uh, get to know God. So, you know, for example, you see God, desire was actually in the Garden of Eden. Uh, the fruit was desire, the food that was there that God was providing, the, the, the joy, the pleasure that was there. Desire was a good thing, and it's really important to understand that desire is a great thing. And, there, and see, this thing, we talk about these thorns where, where desire begins to kind of choke the life. This is very different than being tempted by Satan. A lot of times these desires are very good things. But these desires are things that God doesn't want you to have, like, right now. He may may not you know, have you to have it in your lifetime, but God's like, hey, I don't want you to have it right now. But then we get asphyxiated on this thing, and we're like, God, I want this thing, what? Right now. But you don't want me to have it right now, so you aren't good to me, or, you know, something's wrong, or I'm going to do what I got to do to kind of get this thing anyway, and this begins to take and choke the life, the kingdom life, of the seeds that God is trying to sow in our life. So what disciples do is disciples are people that draw near to Jesus for understanding in these intimate spaces, but then you orient your life towards obedience to God. So you orient your life to flee into temptation. You order your life and orient your life about being rooted in Jesus. Or you orient your life around not, 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 not allowing worries and wealth and wrong desires to choke the abundant life out of your life. So <clears throat> what we call it East End is basically hearing and obeying God. We call this what we call Kairos moments. See, Kairos moments is this thing where, where, where in order to kind of have a place where you cultivate the soil in your life. Basically, you're getting opportunities to hear messages from God, and there are opportunities that God puts in your life so that you can obey off of the word that God has given you, and we shorthand call that Kairos moments. Well, this brings us to the text that we just got finished reading, because for the disciples, this time in the lake was a Kairos moment. They were hearing messages from the uh, uh, Jesus on the lake, and then uh, uh, they said that Jesus was like, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. And in the middle of the lake, there's a storm, and the storm became the Kairos moment. See, there are some things that we can learn in public spaces. There are some things that we can learn in, in, in intimate spaces, but... Sometimes in that in-between, between where we have sat at the feet of Jesus and we feel like God is calling us to go to this place, in the midst of that place, there will be a storm that will come in our life. And the thing that God doesn't want us to do is to get distracted by the storm. But God wants us to begin to see that Jesus is in the boat with us the whole time. See, let me just give you a little bit of context, but it's like uh, about two years ago, I got a chance to uh, go to Israel, and I got a chance to actually be on the sea. <laughs> um, you know, I got that, that that fresh Jesus animal t-shirt and all that kind of stuff, and, and you can see there's a lot of water that's here. This boat was actually bigger than uh, the boat that Jesus probably would have been on. And so can you show this, this boat right here? This is the context of the boat that Jesus was on. Now, that's a pretty small boat. There were 13 people on this boat. I'm trying to figure out why in the world was Jesus still asleep. Wow, that's all that's going on. You know, this is one area of my life where I know that I'm like Jesus because I sleep pretty hard. Like, there could be... Any kind of situation where I can sleep in a whole lot, of, like, like, and, and so I actually kind of manage my life around sleep. So, you know, similar to Jesus, like when you like, um, you, you know, you're speaking for a really long time and you could just, you, you need to rest a little bit, you know, so 
when I'm on planes, after I like kind of got finished doing a conference, I like I know I can sleep super super hard, so I don't like sleep before I get on the plane. So I, I could probably miss my plane, or you know, uh, sometimes I could like have my mouth open and look all crazy. So I know I still look crazy, but I always put like I'm something over the top of my head, so I don't have my mouth open and looking like all weird. Um, <clears throat> And it was kind of fun just seeing Razan here today because I was reminded of the first time I met Mariah. So, like, I'm a cuddler when I sleep. And um, and and so there's kind of reasons why, like, if, like, urban oxology or something, like, I'm like, hey, I probably shouldn't share share a bed with, you know, one of the guys because at any moment I could probably be turned over and get them in a bear hug. And it's just going to get weird really, really quickly. But I don't know anything that I'm doing. And so the first time I met Mariah... We were in a recording session, and this recording session went on until about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, for whatever reason, I didn't have a car, and uh, I was riding back on like a 35-minute drive in Jessica's car, and she had a truck. And so it was three of us in the seat, and then I like fell asleep, and I'm like all on Mariah, all like this. So like Jesus, I can understand... Being asleep in the boat. But I actually, I actually don't think that Jesus was sleeping for the same reasons that I was sleeping. I think, this is really interesting because when Jesus uh, uh, was, was finally woken up by his disciples, they were like, bruh, don't you know that we're about to drown up in this joint? And then he's like, he didn't say anything. But I'm pretty sure if he had words to it, he'd be like, you know, I mean, yeah, so that's fine if you drown. Like, I've been where you're going to go, and so where you're going to go is way better than where you are now. And so if you drown, that'd be fine. I think that's kind of important because part of the good news of being a Christian means that even if we die, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. So it doesn't matter what storm you go through, and if death is the end of the storm, then that actually is an upgrade. And I think it's important for us to understand that Jesus, part of the reason why Jesus could sleep in the middle of the storm is because he has already experienced heaven, and we have no heaven, to, uh, we haven't experienced heaven. All we get a chance to do is get a little bit of touch in prayer, a little bit of a touch of heaven and, and worship, and maybe hopefully heaven can become more real to us in our life so that so that, 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 like, leaving this broken and rickety and just challenging world won't be so terrifying to us. I think that's a little bit of the transformation that, that God wants to see in our lives. But there's also another reason that Jesus uh, 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 probably slept because he knew that with the, in the result that, he was, that, that, that they, the disciples were going to get through that storm. See, one of the things that I... I love what Doug said last night. Part of the gospel is the fact that we know that God will bring us through the storm and will show us how to get through the storm. So when you understand, like, this whole question, when Jesus is saying, why are you so afraid? They were with Jesus for a very a significant amount of time where their, their faith should have been a lot more increased than it was. And so, you know, he just got finished explaining some stuff, but it's important to understand what biblical faith is about. Biblical faith isn't about, like, if God will do something. It's about, like, since God has done something. See, biblical faith means, do you remember that time when I, like, healed you? Do you remember that time I delivered you? Remember that time when you were, like, not saved and I saved you? And do you remember that time when you didn't have friends and I connected you with a community? And even though those friends have left you, you didn't need them anyway because they were bad news for you. And remember, I was the one that brought you through. So because of what I did back then, this should inform what I'm going to do for you now and what I'm going to do for you in the future. You don't have to worry. So in this boat, while the disciples are having a Kairos moment, this moment of the storm is actually helping them to understand that, okay, you know, I knew that Jesus could heal. I knew that Jesus could deliver. What I didn't know was that Jesus was in control of every element of the earth. See, with them engaging in 
uh, uh, this Kairos moment, they got a chance to get a new revelation of who Jesus was. And see, it's important to understand that certain revelations do not come until you're in the midst of the storm. So they got some revelation from being uh, on the lake, and they got a message uh, uh, from God on the lake. There was some revelation that happened by the Kairos moment, but they still were in the middle of the lake, and they eventually had to get, what, to the other side of the what? Other side of the what? Lake. So they finally get to the other side of the lake. And what's on the other side of the lake is actually worse than what's a storm. Sometimes you'll be in situations where what's on the other side of the lake is actually worse than the storm you just got out of. On the other side of the lake was a man that was demon-possessed. The man uh, was demon-possessed and tortured by demons for a very long time. He hung out in the graveyard. He uh, uh, was uh, 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 to calm himself. He, he couldn't find any kind of solace with people. There couldn't be any chains that could hold them down. Those demons continued to torture him. In the middle of the night, he would cry out in agony, and he began to engage in self-inflicting, uh, self-destructive type of stuff like cutting himself. And that was on the other side of the lake. Sometimes when you go through a storm, on the other side of the storm could be demons that are in your life or things that you have been struggling with for a very, very long time that sometimes in the middle of the night, only only you know about these things. You cry out to God. You have tears. You feel alone. There are things that are going on in your life that that, that these things torture you, things that you thought were buried are now kind of coming alive in your life. And you're trying to say, like, God, uh, uh, could you deliver me? God, could you do something? And what happens is, is that the storm, what that has done is it's helping you to, to kind of hone in a little bit about who Jesus is. But then when you kind of get on the other side, you get a chance to see another aspect of Jesus and you realize that Jesus has the power to deliver you and the way that you get in a position to allow God to deliver you from these things that have tormented and tortured you for, for so much of your life is to fall prostrate to, to the Lord and say, God, will you deliver me? See, that is what happened to that man that was on the other side of the lake. See, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you that there might be some things you know, like the medication can't handle. There might be some things that friends can't handle. There's some things that church uh, 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 services can't handle. Uh, sometimes a good message. And even there, there are even like certain things that even like a Kairos moment uh, 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 can't even handle when you're going through a, a transforming process. Sometimes you just need a straight up deliverance. And what you could do is begin to ask God, can I get that revelation of who Jesus is so that, that that's what I need in my life. I need another revelation of Jesus that whatever is tormenting me can actually bring me healing and deliverance uh, through the power of Jesus. What happened with this man, the scripture says, is that the man went away and began to tell the people in his community, how much Jesus has done for him. And all of the people were amazed. So this loaded question, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's important to understand in order to cultivate faith, you have to uh, cultivate the soil of your heart and draw closer to Jesus in order to understand these messages that God gives you. You need to know that the storms aren't a distraction, but these are kairos moments that will uh, give you a new revelation of who Jesus is. And then when you see Jesus on the other side of the storm, you want to begin to run to Jesus in a way that, that, that positions, positions you to allow Jesus to transform a movement in your life where God is transforming you from the inside out. And so... Read this text this week and begin to ask the Spirit to be at work in your life. To wonder, hey, Lord, you know, do I need to spend a little bit more time uh, 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 kind of in these secret spaces? Uh, do I need to 
uh, uh, spend a little bit more time uh, uh, kind of processing the kairoses of the storm? Or is there something even deeper where I need to, like, just kind of position myself for you to, to do a movement of transformation in my life? Let us pray. Holy Spirit, um, we know that you are constantly asking us loaded questions. Loaded questions that are trying to help us to follow more um, as a disciple. I pray, Lord, that we would not be visitors and attenders in our relationship with you, but that we truly would be disciples that would do the hard work of cultivating the soils of our heart and cultivate the soil of our life so it's more physician for the seeds of the kingdom to flourish. Help us not to get distracted from the storms of life and know that you're in the boat with us with a significant amount of confidence. That the work that you began will be completed. So we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name and all God's people say, amen. We're going to have a little bit of time of uh, response. There will be some folks on the side uh, who are here uh, to pray with you, some elders and some um, intercessors. Uh, we have the altar up here to spend some time with the Spirit as we sing. And um, and really, in my opinion, I think this is the most important aspect of the service. The reason is, is because it's one thing to hear the Word, but you got to really discern what is obedience like. And so we just created this space for you to be able to uh, hear what made the Lord be speaking to you. And so uh, feel free, uh, if you are able to stand or kneel or sit and sing along and, and see what the Lord might be doing in your heart. your name Jesus your name is a refuge a strong tower that we can run to and find safety your name is the only name given under heaven whereby we can be saved and it's in the name of Jesus we have been saved we are being saved and we will be saved there's power in the name of Jesus to break chains. So we submit to the authority of the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you rise with us for our final song? Say. And no man 
my pocket say Jehovah has the final say Ain't no matter what this world may say Jehovah has Come the on, final sing it with the loud voice I have I have no reason to fear Sing I have I have no reason to fear The Lord is my life The Lord is my life Sing, I have no reason to fear. I have no reason to fear. Sing, I have. I have no reason to fear. The Lord is my light. Yes. The Lord is my light. Hey, tell me who has the final say. Jehovah has the final say. I want to know who has the final say. Jehovah has the final say. White House says Jehovah has the final say. And no matter what this world may say, Jehovah has Come the on, final say. I have, I have no reason to fear. I have, I have no reason to fear. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my light. One more time, sing. I have no reason to fear. I have no reason to fear. Sing. I have. The Lord is my life. Yes. The Lord is my One life. One more time, people, right here. I have no reason to fear. I have no reason to Sing, fear. I have no reason to fear. I have no reason to Sing, fear. I have no reason to fear. I have no reason to Sing, fear. I won't be afraid. No. I have no reason to fear. I said I won't be afraid. No. I have no reason to fear. I said I have no reason to fear. 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 Christ and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest rule and abide with you now and forevermore go in peace pick up a chair